Good morning. We're so glad to have you here. Before we get into the message today from Matthew 26, I just want to share a couple of things with us. At the very beginning of this uh, pandemic, Andy Crouch, who is an influential Christian thinker here in our country, uh, penned an essay that I found extraordinarily helpful. Many of you may have actually read this, and he used three terms, uh, a blizzard, a season, and then an ice age, a blizzard, a winter, an ice age. And he was describing what was out in front of us, the reality that if we treat this as a blizzard, a kind of temporary setback, uh, we're, we're looking at it the wrong way. And then he said there's a sense of which a winter is kind of an extended season of discomfort, but that that might give way to uh, an even more uh, extended season of discomfort, an ice age. And I think that all of us, both us here at Trinity and you in your home and your vocation with your friends, with your family, we're all trying to figure out how do we pivot to a new reality? How do we embrace the discomfort that we're all experiencing in one way or another? How do we stop just waiting for a thing to blow over and learn how to live? Eric Larson has just released a a, a new book about the Blitz, um, and specifically England and Winston Churchill, and how people in England during the Blitz had to figure out how to live their lives. They had to figure out how to be people. I think that many of us are facing the same reality as we sit with issues connected to COVID-19, um, massive questions and sea change regarding race, the economy, our futures, our jobs. And I just want to say to you, I want this to be a blizzard. I want this season to be a thing we just hunker down and we put our heads down and we wait for it to blow over. And yet, increasingly, I think all of us are getting a sense that this isn't a blizzard. This is at best a winter and maybe an ice age, a reality where we're going to face a new normal. And I just want to say this to you uh, regarding our role and responsibility here at Trinity. It is our commitment to begin to think about what new things have to happen in the life of our church in order for us to be good stewards, in order for us to be your pastors, your leaders, not just for a blizzard season or a winter season, but maybe a new extended season of a kind of discomforting reality that we're going to learn to live with. Our job is to reimagine what the future looks like here at Trinity. And so I just want to say to you, if you're a part of this church family, we long to be together again. We want to gather in this room. It actually grieves my spirit when I look out at this room and it's mostly empty. But we're not going to rush back to that space because if we spend our energy just trying to get back to what was, we may miss some of the invitations for us to be faithful with what will be. Historically here at this church, we have spent a ton of our energy on how to steward the church gathered. But it has become evident to us and to everyone that if we don't learn how to be the church scattered, we're going to miss out on the invitation that God has for us. Our commitment to you over the next number of months is to begin to deeply discern what does it mean for us to lead the church scattered so that one day when we're able to gather, we'll be both scattered and gathered, together and on mission right where we live, being formed right where we live and edified when we come together. So pray for us. We are praying for you. We're looking forward to whatever God has next. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 26. 
I'm going to read a really sad, a really heavy passage of Scripture, uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. And then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. And then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's try to hear. Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us today uh, to join you in the Garden of Gethsemane in a very real way, a meaningful way for us. God, we are facing all sorts of griefs. Uh, we're being invited to contend with all sorts of losses. And so, Lord, we pray today in a very real way that, Jesus, you would be our teacher, that you would show us how to do this hard work of grief uh, and owning our losses. God, show us how to be present in uncomfortable places. So we ask now for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Garden of Gethsemane is one of the most uh, painful moments in all of the Bible because Jesus is clearly um, wounded in his, in his spirit. We're told in one gospel account that he uh, cries and sweats blood, that literal pain is coming out of his own person. So today we're going to do what is probably uncomfortable, but maybe that which is very timely. We're going to sit with the idea of grief and loss. And if you're a part of our church community, um, you know that we as a church family are going through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, I think over 600 people. But I keep hearing that there are bootleg groups going on, you know, people who are getting the emails and they're joining. And so that number uh, might be even north of 600 at this point. And if you're not with us, if you're listening from further out, um, I would just commend to you Pete Scazzaro's book, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It is um, a, a goodness gracious, game-changing book, in my opinion. I uh, have been so blessed to reread Scazzaro's work. Well, today we're sitting with pain and loss, an uncomfortable subject, and I think Jesus has something to say to us. But first, C.S. Lewis has something to say to us. In his book, A Grief Observed, which, which he wrote a month after his wife, Joy, uh, passed away of cancer, uh, Lewis had been a bachelor and almost a confirmed bachelor. He found love late in life, and then his wife was taken from him in an untimely way. This is what he says about grief. He says, No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. I'm not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning. I keep on swallowing. At other times, he says, I feel like being mildly drunk or concussed. There's a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me. I find it hard to take in what anyone says or perhaps hard to want to take it in. It's so uninteresting. 
Yet I want others to be about me. I dread moments when the house is empty. If only they would just talk to one another and not to me. Lewis didn't intend to write a book when he wrote A Grief Observed. It was a journal trying to help him, his own soul, process the loss of his wife. And thank God it was published because it gives language to what we experience. Many of us feel that restlessness, that fluttering feeling, and we don't know what to do about it. I think there's an invitation. Many of us in this room, in our, in the, in the, I, I'm used to saying in this room, there's very few people in this room, but many of us who are listening to what I'm saying today know what it feels like to be in a place where you feel out of step with the world around you. Um, questions and fears and concerns about the future, about health, about the state of our city, the state of our world, these things like hang over us and they, they invite grief into our intimate spaces. And sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes we're really aware. And then other times that grief feels like it's living in the background, just sort of lurking over in the corner, but all of us feel it. And, and maybe right now we're feeling it in an especially acute manner. We are, are maybe more aware of the grief than ever before. And so we have to learn how to do something redemptive in these spaces. Y'all, grief is a process. Uh, we have to honor that process. But if we're honest, we don't deal well with pain and loss. I think actually we do a few things when we are confronted with loss or pain, grief. Number one, we tend to try to fix or solve. We, we try to rationalize our way through it and kind of like work our way through, muscle our way through uh, using our logic and effort. Or we live in denial, numb ourselves out. I, I think this is a, a major temptation for most of us right now. We're tempted to sometimes just pretend, right? That things aren't what they are. We can see that maybe coming to our door right now pretending that things are just going to be better if we'll watch Netflix all day or drink more than we should or eat more than we should. And I think a third temptation comes our way. When those things don't work, we oftentimes will lash out in anger. We'll become defensive, um, angry. I think we'll do almost anything to escape the pain and the painful feelings associated with loss. And maybe one of the most primary ways or the primary way we do this and, and maybe the primary way we're doing it now is addiction. It's one of the ways we cope with negative feelings. We eat, we drink, we engage in sexual addiction. Some of us maybe turn down some pretty dark roads and maybe today that's where you are. Maybe you're in a really dark space and I just want to say to you, one of the mistakes of the Christian church is that we rebuke behaviors. We say don't be bad, don't do bad things but we don't honor where those behaviors come from, the pain and the, the disillusionment, the disorientation that sometimes catalyzes bad behavior. I just want to say to you, if I could like come through the TV screen and sit with you I would just say, don't shame yourself because of the bad things you may be doing right now. Acknowledge the fact that you may be experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of loss. And then we do bad things. God doesn't want us to stay there. But y'all, he never just wants to treat symptoms. God always wants to treat the reality that motivates or catalyzes the symptoms. And many of us feel like we don't know what to do. In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scazzaro names four ways that we can engage grief and loss. And, and we're just going to say those four things here at the end of this talk. Number one, 
and there's probably a slide for this because if you've been to Trinity, you know, we can pay attention. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says to Peter, he says, you sit here while I go over there. And in a very real way, Jesus makes an intentional choice to go over there, to move toward the pain, to pay attention to it. Jesus does not live in denial. He does not refuse or avoid. He does not think if I just put my head down and distract myself with hard work, this will go away. He recognizes that the only way to tend to grief and pain is to move toward it and pay attention. I just want to say to you today, God is inviting every single one of us on a multitude of fronts to pay attention. Y'all, God is always ever present. He doesn't live in the past. He doesn't live in the future. He doesn't live with regret or fear about what might be. God is always present. And what Jesus does in the Garden of Gethsemane is so instructive. He says, I'm going over there. And I just want to say to you, this will look slightly different for you, me, Ashley, Marty. But we all have to pay attention. Maybe one of the most important forms of spiritual formation, the most important piece of work we can do right now is to name our losses and pay attention to them. So do you know how you're really doing? Like, do you know what's really going on? Are you aware of the losses and griefs that are at play that might be catalyzing certain negative behaviors or uh, reactions that you might have with people that you care about? I believe Jesus wants us to pay attention. Number two, he wants us to wait in the confusing in-between. We hate in-between places. Y'all, we're living in this massive in-between place. Jesus looked at God in the garden and said, please, God, let this cup pass from me. But if I must drink it, I will drink it. What he was doing there was he was living in the in-between place. It's my conviction that many of us make most of our mistakes when we just try to push through the in-between to get to certainty, even if the certainty isn't all that certain. Jesus stayed in the uncomfortable place. And for many of us, maybe all of us, in a multitude of ways, now is an invitation to learn how to sit still when things are not clear and not resolved. If you've spent time at our church, you know that I have a mason jar in my house filled with uh, dirt from my yard and water from my tap. And when I get in a place that's liminal, a, a threshold or an in-between place, like the ones we're in now, I shake that up. And it reminds me that when we're in those in-between places, things are not clear. And when things are not clear due to um, massive upheaval. There's nothing wrong with your eyes. You just have to learn how to sit still so that things become clear. Don't rush clarity. Jesus sat in an in-between place and he invites you and me to do the same. So how do you react when you're confused? What do you do? Many of us, we do our worst work when we rush through in-between places this is why I believe that practices of stillness and silence are so vital in helping us learn how to be in in-between places. I'm going to read to you a psalm, a verse from Psalm 4, 4-4. Four, four. The psalmist says, When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Y'all, we have to learn how to ponder. And if we don't learn how to be present and sit in in-between places, we're going to miss so many of the invitations that come to us when our hearts hurt. 
In the next weeks, my wife and I are going to be launching a new podcast here that'll spin out from Trinity that's going to be focusing on reflection and practices. We want to, as a church, teach you how to live in in in-between places. C.S. Lewis once likened grief to a cup of tea, as a good Irishman would do. And he said, if you rush the tea, you burn yourself. But if you drink it slowly, living in that in-between place, there's a comfort that comes. Thirdly, I believe that we're invited to, in seasons of grief and loss, to embrace the gift of limits. Jesus says, if this cup cannot pass, let your will be done. He embraces his limit. He says, I want one thing, but I'm going to live with what I have. Pain here reminds me that life is not uh, within my control. It's not within my grasp. I think that's the invitation for many of us when we hurt, that we're limited and that we don't do well with limitations. I believe that we as a culture struggle to admit and acknowledge limits, much less celebrate and embrace them. But there are limits all around you and me. I believe the Lord is inviting us in seasons of, of discomfort, um, bring this invitation into clear focus. He invites us to learn how to admit when we end, when there are problems we can't solve, when there are hurts we can't heal. And learning to admit that, embracing the gift of limits, begins with you and me learning to admit and accept that there are actually limitations. Y'all, there are hurts around us right now that are at play that we just can't heal. And that's true societally, but it's also true in our families and in our own souls, our relationships. Where is God asking you to admit the limit? Finally, I believe that there's an invitation in grief and loss for us to accept and live into humility. In his little book, Pete Scazzaro actually references St. Benedict's Ladder of Humility, and I would encourage you to spend time with that tool. We don't have time to look at it today, but humility means essentially here to agree with God, to live your life in alignment with who God is and what he has. And pain and loss, admitting our griefs, actually it's a wonderful teacher to bring us into greater humility. As I think about COVID-19, And all the change that Trinity needs to engage to be faithful, to lead you, to steward this community. I feel my limitations. I also feel there's an invitation to humility. As we look at systematic racism in our city and in our country and our world, those are not wounds that can be healed quickly. There are limitations that we have. And yet we can say, God, make us the kinds of people who increasingly agree with you and walk in alignment with you. I bet there are applications there in your own family of origin, your own intimate circle of friendships and relationships. When I own my hurt and agree with God, I actually begin to walk in step with the greater story that he has for me. And this is where I just want to leave it. You know that the the nature of Christian spirituality is this. There is life on the other side of death. That's like what we believe. That's the foundation of what we believe as Christians. And I believe that if we will sit with our losses, we will then see new life emerge on the other side. I think that's true for us as a church. I think that's true for us as the big wide church. I also think it's true for you and me as individuals. Where might God be inviting me to lean in so as to experience life on the other side. Where is resurrection wanting to knock at your door and mine? If we don't tend to our hurts, our losses, our griefs, we will not experience that robust and real, that sturdy, stable, and sustainable life that God has for us on the other side of that pain. So let's sit with it. Let's talk about it. Let's be real. 
God can handle reality. I would submit to you that's the only thing he can deal with is reality. May it be so for you and for me. If you're able, I would love it if we would stand together so that we could pray the Lord's Prayer. And I get it. Some of you are like, I ain't standing. My own house is very divided on this issue. Some of us stand, some of us don't. It's fine. We're just going to start encouraging you to do things. You do what you do. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you when we can see you. Pray for us. We'll pray for you. Amen.